sacred to him because he is the creator of all life, right? And I, I want to read a passage of scripture for you that really hits on that. And then we're going to pray together about the sanctity of life and, and where we are in our culture and society at large. You know, it's, it's kind of mixed, isn't it? We live with a lot of people in this culture that really devalue life. And then we live with a lot of people in this culture that, that honor the life that God gives. But I think we see in Psalm 139, God's perspective on life. And we hear it from the words of the psalmist when he says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So God knows even the days that we're going to live. That's how sacred life is to him. So Lord, we thank you on this Sanctity of Life Sunday. We thank you, Lord, that even in this last year, we have moved forward greatly in our battle, the battle to fight for the right of every single baby in the womb and how Roe versus Wade was overturned. But Lord, we know that there's much more work to do, Lord, to protect and to preserve life on so many levels. And so, Father, we pray, God, that we as the church, Lord God, would model for this world what it means to honor life and the sanctity of human life. And we pray, Lord God, that you would give us the boldness and the courage to stand up for each and every life, whether it is a baby in the womb or whether it's an elderly person in a hospital bed. May we fight for life and the life that you have given and may we honor life and today we celebrate life the life that you have given us as you breathe breath as we breathe in we're breathing the very breath of God that you have provided for us to breathe and we thank you for that Lord just as you you breathed into mankind that initial when when Adam was brought forth Lord, may you breathe anew in us, spiritually speaking, today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Ah, I am really glad, glad I'm here today. How about you? Yeah. Yeah? How many of you slid maybe a little bit on the way here today? Was it slick out there? I don't know. I haven't, there wasn't any snow on the ground when I got here this morning. So um, is it getting slick out? I don't know. It looks like it's... Looks like it's slowing down a little bit, so just a little flurry. That's okay. I mean, we live in Ohio. What do you expect, right? I mean, we actually we've been fortunate thus far, haven't we? So, you know, um, yeah, we we live in Ohio. People, you know, they they oftentimes say to me, so, you know, is it lot, is it a lot worse up there up north, Pastor Randy? Because I grew up in Southern Ohio, you know, and I don't know what people think, but Ohio is cold regardless of where you're at. <laughs> doesn't matter whether you're in southern Ohio or northern Ohio. In the wintertime, it's cold. You know what? It doesn't matter whether you're in southern Ohio or northern Ohio when it comes to snow. There's snow, you know? So it's like, actually, it's kind of ironic because there are times since I've moved up here that there's been more snow down there. And they're like, I bet you got pummeled. We're like, no, we really have very little snow, you know? So, you know, thank God that none of us live on the east side, right? <laughs> You know, we can have inches here, they can have feet over there. But, uh, you know, it's interesting because people think, well, you live up there, so you must be among those who are getting a foot of snow. And it's like, uh, no. Thank God. Thank God. So, but it's wintertime, so we can expect a little snow. And guess what? If it's not, not going to snow any other day, it's snow on Sunday. <laughs> I don't know why, but that just seems to be the case. So, but uh, thank God we're here. We're able to be here. We're worshiping together and we're, we're having a good day. Are you having a good day? Yes. Amen. Amen. It is a good day to be here and it's a good day to worship the Lord. It's also a good day for a football game. Yeah. You know, uh, some of you may see that I have my black and orange on. Um, 
Clint, you want to stand up for me again, brother? Clint's got his Bill's gear on. We're going at it today, okay? So, um, but you know, uh, there, there's, a, there's a benefit of actually having the platform, Clint, just so you know. There's a benefit to having the platform. So... So we're just going to leave that right there. Who day? No, <laughs> just kidding, of course. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a good game. I don't know what to expect. I mean, the Bengals' offensive line is obliterated. So we'll see if Joe, if Joe Burrow can run away from the linebackers and uh, the rush. But anyway, it, it'll be a good game. I think the cool thing about it is, is these two teams will be able to come together again after what happened the last time they were playing. And, uh, you know, God has truly been doing an amazing thing um, on the team, the Bills team. Uh, different players have said, hey, this has been a spiritual awakening for me, not only on that team, but other players on other teams. And so, again, all of a sudden, we turn the gridiron into an altar, right? We, and, and we're praying at a football game. Who would have ever thought? But uh, that's the way God works, right? So, uh, no. So, hopefully, it'll be a good game. And, Hopefully we won't embarrass ourselves if the line doesn't uh, stand up. I'm going to move this because you guys would be like distracted by this the whole time. So, but uh, Clint, it's still up here, okay? Just, uh. All right, so let's, uh, let's get into the word. How many of you want to get into the word a little bit today? How many of you need some word today? <laughs> Whew, I do. So we're going to do that. We're going to get into the word. And we uh, started a series last week called The Growth Track. And uh, the growth track is sort of a, a, a new approach at the membership material. And I thought, you know, it's time that we go through this. Why don't we just do it together? I like to talk about what we believe and who we are and also kind of casting f some vision the first of the year. So I thought, you know what, this is, this is good. Let's do this. And the Lord seemed to prompt me to go this direction. So growth track, you know, it, it is about who we are as a church. And it is about what we believe. And our beliefs haven't changed. They haven't changed. They're the same. But sometimes our methodologies, our methodologies change, and sometimes um, our, our approaches change, and how we do things change, right? But the beliefs don't change, and our vision is still the same, church. Growth Track is just a new way of introducing people that may be new to our church, to what membership is. And I will say this, if you have never uh, become a member of this church and would like to, and if you actually are either in these three services last week, today, and next week, or you listen to them, um, and you show up to a membership class on uh, the 19th of February, we'll have a membership class, and it'll be at uh, 9.30 in the morning. Show up for that class, and actually uh, you can learn more about membership, and your name will be uh, given to the church board. And uh, no, she might just become a member. Does that sound good? Yeah? So, all right. So if you'd like to be a member, haven't yet, you know, signed on to membership, it's your opportunity. Well, let's do a little bit of review. You ready to review? Let's go to the next slide there, guys. Because last week we talked about the word discover, and I introduced the other two themes or thoughts, and that is journey and explore. And notice the icons. You've got a, a compass, which is all about setting direction, right? Then you got some hiking boots or footprints, whatever you want to call it, and that is about journeying together. We're in this together, aren't we? Amen. Amen. And then we have some binoculars where we can see what is ahead, what God has in store for us, because God has a future for this church. Yes. Amen? And it's a bright future. I believe that. And we want to see what that is. We want to explore what God has for us in the future. Now, there's a key word that I talked about last week as it relates to discovering, and I want to I bring that up again, and it's the word believe. Believe. Because what's most important, first and foremost, is that we believe what God says about himself in the word, Amen. right? Beliefs are important because beliefs then, they, they shape our values, and values shape our behavior, and then our behavior shapes our character, Right? But it starts with our beliefs. What do we believe? And so last week we talked a great deal about that. And we started the, the sermon talking about our mission, 
Let's say this together if we can. Loving God, loving people. Let's say the rest of it. A place to believe, a place to belong, and a place to become. How many of you notice that's on the sign up front? Yep. That's with some intentionality because that's who we are, right? And then we talked about the fact that this comes from the great commandment and the great commission. And here's what it says. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the great commandment. The great commission is therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the great commandment, great commission. I like to throw this in there because I heard it years ago. Someone said this. They said, a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will lead to a great church. That's good, isn't it? A great commitment, the great commandment and the great commission can and should and will lead to a great church. So we talked last week, not only about our mission, but we talked about our vision. And I want us to read this together again. To represent Christ by becoming a community of worshipers who celebrate, connect, grow, serve, and reach others with his love and healing. Can you guys just uh, humor me a minute? And when we get to those key words, if we could clap on those words. All right, let's read it again. Here we go. To represent Christ by becoming a community of worshipers who celebrate, connect, grow, serve, and reach others with his love and healing. Right? Healing. That's important. Why is it important? Because it takes us all the way back to the beginning of this church. It's in our DNA. As we talked about the history of our church. And we talked about the formation of our church and how our church started out as a faith home. That it was a, it was a faith-based ministry to reach into the community and to touch the needs of people who were hurting emotionally, physically, spiritually, and in all ways. And we know that the immigrants that came to us here in America from Scotland, the Gordons, they came here and they started their work. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But it all started there in the faith home. That's our history, friends. And in the 114 years, as we celebrate 114 years this year, that's hard to believe. As we celebrate 114 years, how many of you realize that in that 114 years, the enemy tried to destroy this place numerous times? Hello? Guess what? He's still trying to do that. But he's not going to win. He's not going to be successful. Because this is his church right? This is his church. This is the Lord's church. Because this passage of scripture is true. Zechariah 4, 6. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. So today we're talking about that next step. And that is the journey. The journey. And, and not only the journey, but what it means to belong together on this journey. Because this is a place to belong. Now, it's not a place where everybody's going to feel like they belong, right? But we're open. And we welcome anyone who will to come and join us and journey with us. Amen? Amen. And so we're on this journey together. Um, and I want to encourage us to see that it's all about the journey. It's all about the journey with Jesus within the community of faith, man. So you and I are not to live the Christian life on our own. We need each other. I need you, you need me, we need each other, right church? So connecting with others in small groups and in ministry opportunities is, is a way that we begin to feel like we belong here, right? Because this is a place, place where there's potential. There's potential for ministry, for each person to have a ministry and a mission. To serve and to find, to find meaning and purpose in this place, right? This is where a person can truly exemplify what it means to belong. To belong in community with others 
to live as his people and to value one another. Vitally important. And actually, this passage of scripture really confirms what I'm talking about. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Chapter 2, verse 19 says, from now on, you are not strangers and people who are not citizens. You are citizens together with those who belong to God. And you belong in God's family, right? There's another passage of scripture in Hebrews Hebrews 10, 24. I love this one because it's important that we motivate each other. Yeah? Amen. How many of you realize that there's times in your life that you need motivation? Yeah. Some of you are self-starters. Some of you are, are really good at keeping yourself motivated. Uh, and some of you are good at it and some of you normally are good at it, but maybe you're in a season where it's hard. And that's when you need the encouragement of others, right? That's when you need the motivation of others. And this passage of scripture tells us that we should come together and we should encourage and support one another and motivate one another to acts of love and good works, right? And that is so very important because if, if this is about a community, see, let me help you with something here, friends. Church is not a place that we go once a week and that's it. Some of you might be like, well, that's all it's been to me. There's more. Why would you want to settle for just that? There's more. Church isn't just a place that you show up at once a week. Church is actually a community or it's supposed to be a community where we are journeying together and we wrestle and we struggle with the issues of life and, and we go through seasons of life with people. Yes. We go through seasons of celebration when, when babies are born, when children come along and we go through seasons with others when they lose family members. We go through the trials of life. We go through job losses. We go through financial crises. We go through every challenge of life and we do it together. We go through gains and we go through losses, but we keep moving forward. Yes. We keep moving forward. You know, there's, there's a series that me and my, watch, my wife have been watching. Um, the language is rough. I wish the language was different, but we enjoy the series just because it shows uh, the commitment of the pioneers in the early days that crossed this nation on the Oregon Trail. And we've been watching this series and it's the what is it, uh, 1883 and then 1923 is, I don't know, it's on some, some app that we watch, movies, I don't know. But it's, it's about moving out west. And when you watch and you see how many people started together and how that crowd just kind of dwindled away over time. But then new people would come in and join and keep moving forward. But it was like, it was a, it was a challenge to go where they were going. If we're going to go anywhere that's worth going to, it's going to be a challenge. Yes. Yes. But we got to keep moving forward together, right? And sometimes life is kind of like the wild, wild west. We kind of get, you know, hit out of nowhere with this crisis or this situation. We go together. We stay together. We stay committed to one another. We understand that in the word community, the last, what are the last five letters the word community unity. unity right what are the last five letters of communion yeah. union it's so important that we uphold the unity of the church and that when we are together at times like this and we share the lord's supper that we understand the power that is in yeah. the union what we believe together and the fact that we are journeying in this life together amen, amen. So we motivate one another to acts and good works, acts of love and good works. So next I want to talk about our values real quick. I want to go somewhere this morning that really I didn't intend to go until late this week. But sometimes that happens. Here are our values. I want you to say these with me because I want you to get them in here, okay? We, we established these a long time ago as our values. Really the first one is of utmost importance. And it... And that is that we demonstrate Christ-like character. 
in this community. Amen? So say that with me. Christ-like character. The next one is compassion. And that we know what that means when we live it out in the community of faith, right? That we have compassion for one another. That we demonstrate compassion for those in the room and for those outside of this church. Community. We've talked about that already. It's part of our name. Yep. Right? Cross Community Church is part of our name for a reason. Faith. That's also part of our name because going back to the very beginning, we were faith house or faith home, right? So faith, authenticity, that we are real, that we are the real deal. We're authentic. That when people see us, they, we, I want them to see Jesus, right? I want them to see Jesus in me, Jesus in you, Jesus in us, right? And then there's intimacy, intimacy with Christ, and that we come together with one another, and we grow in our relationships together. And then the last one is influence. Because if we get good at doing the rest of the list, guess what? We will be influential, both inside the house and outside the house. And that leads me back to our beliefs. I'm going to touch on this real quick. Our beliefs, and as I said last week, these are summarized in main categories. But notice today what we believe. I want to talk about God's plan for the church. God's plan for the church is pretty clear. In our 16 fundamental truths, there's a doctrinal statement that says the church and its mission. The church is the body of Christ, the habitation of God through the Spirit with divine appointments for the fulfillment of her great commission. Each believer born of the Spirit is an integral part of the church's priority reasons for being to be an agency of God for evangelizing the world, to be a corporate body in which man may worship God, to be a people of God's purpose, to build a body of saints being perfected in the image of his son, and to be a church that demonstrates God's love and compassion for the world. Now that is actually a tenet of faith of the Assemblies of God of which our church is a part of. And I like, that says it pretty clear. I like that, don't you? And I got a couple of passages of scripture to go with that. First is Ephesians 1.22 and verses 23 and then 2.22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, in whom all also are built together, being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. In Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we adhere, at this church, we adhere to the words of Jesus as it relates to the purpose of the church. Whether you realize that or not, we do. Love God with all of your heart, that's worship, right? To love your neighbor as yourself, that's ministry, according to Jesus. To go and make disciples, evangelism. To baptize them, that's fellowship. Because when you're baptized, you're baptized into the body of Christ, right? Yeah. Baptized in Christ, and it's symbolic of the death and resurrection. But you're also saying you identify yourself as a part of the body, and that's fellowship. And then to teach them to obey is discipleship. I know for some of you, this is basic stuff. And I've, I know for some of you, you've heard this many times. But that doesn't mean that we don't need to be reminded of it, Right? Because to me, I'm, I'm amazed sometimes how people get off track. Yeah. And as I said last week, sometimes you'll share a vision and you'll say it over and over again. And then someone will say something and you'll go, um, what part didn't they understand? What didn't they get about what was said? So we need to be reminded of the mission yeah. and the vision, right? Therefore, let it be said that Cross Community Church exists to celebrate God's presence through worship as we do what? As we articulate God's activity among us. When we come together, friends, on Sunday morning, may we come together celebrating who God is in our midst, but also what God has been doing in our lives all week long. Amen. His activity amongst his people, right? Number two, connect with God's family through fellowship as we incorporate others into the church family. Three, grow, and grow with God's people through discipleship as we educate the body of believers. Number four, serve with God's love through ministry as we demonstrate God's love to one another. 
Number five, reach with God's word through evangelism as we communicate God's word to the unsaved. You know what? If we get really good at doing this, we have to expand. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about we'll have to go back to two services again. And this time it won't be because of COVID. If, if you and I, if we get good at this, there won't be enough room for the people that sense the love of God and the activity of God in this place. Okay, pastor, so what are you saying? We're not doing what we should be doing? No, that's not what I'm saying. But if we get focused, if we get focused on the mission, on the vision, we don't allow anything else. See, it's, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. We allow distractions to preoccupy our thoughts so much that we lose sight of what is right before us. Right? And that can happen in our own lives. It can also happen in the life of a church. We have to keep our focus on Jesus. We have to look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. That's what it says in Proverbs, right? And it also says this in Hebrews, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. We need to keep our focus where our focus needs to be. Yes. And that's on Jesus. And that's on his mission for the church. See, this isn't my mission. It's really not. We're putting some terms in there that we make it our own. But it's truly the heart of God. Amen. These tie in with the five purposes of the church that are universal. It doesn't matter what church you're talking about. It doesn't change. There are five purposes that God has outlined in his word. And they are worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, evangelism, right? These words are more than just words, right? They are symbolic of the purpose of the church. Every church, the church collective together, wherever the church is around the world. These principles are true regardless of where they're preached. Amen? So God's plan for the church you know, in just a few minutes, we're going to celebrate one of our ordinances. So we celebrate a couple of ordinances as a church, one of which is baptism. And if you've never been baptized, I would encourage you to take that step. Take that step of baptism. The next opportunity that we have one, I want to encourage you to do so. But we also have as one of our ordinances, what is before you today? That is communion. Holy communion, as we refer to it as. And those are important important elements that represent what we believe as part of the tenets of faith of this church. And I have some scriptures for you. I won't take time to read them, but if you want to jot them down and you can read them later, the one we'll probably read even as we take communion. But church, we're on a journey together, right? I know it's snowing outside and I know for whatever reason, the numbers seem a little low today but we can't let that bother us. You know what? If I'm up here and it's not bothering me, then it shouldn't bother you. Right? It's snowy. Sometimes people are like, oh, there comes a snowflake. I guess I'm going to lock down and not leave the house. Right? But we're on this journey together, and that means that we are going to face trials and difficulties at different times. Yeah? When our backs are against the wall and we're searching how God will get us out of certain circumstances that sometimes we find ourselves in, you know, right now we're in a season of prayer and fasting. I got a question for you in regards to that. So how many of you, how many, well, first of all, no, don't, don't, don't do that. I might, I might get discouraged if you don't raise your hand. So I'm, I don't, I want to avoid that. Let me ask you this. If you're praying and fasting, how many of you would say, there's some strange things been happening as a result of this? It goes with the territory. Okay. I remember last, or this past week, I was talking with April about something. I'm like, I don't believe this, April. I don't understand. I don't, and she's like, Randy, we're praying and we're fasting. Should you be surprised by anything that happens when we pray and fast? But you know what that says to me? That God uses times of prayer and fasting to shift things and work and begin to motivate and begin to turn some things. And some things that may needed to come to the surface will come to the surface. 
that otherwise wouldn't, right? Things that God wants to take care of. And, and sometimes things happen and we go, well, why did that happen? And we don't see it in the moment, but God says, I'm trying to protect you. I was in here last night praying, and man, I was going at it. I was praying, and you guys would have been like, <laughs> I was doing warfare and prayer, and I was walking around, and I was, you know, I was, I was praying. We'll just leave it at that. And I remember I was walking somewhere about over here, and the Lord said to me so very clearly, he said, he said, um, this isn't a problem to me. You know, the problem that I was talking about to him, he's like, this isn't a problem to me. Right? This isn't a big problem. I'm like, excuse me? It sure appears like one to me. He's like, I got this. Amen. And what he said after that was he said, you know, Randy, to think of a chessboard. <laughs> he said, there's some pieces that are moving around, but that needs to happen because of what I want to do in this church going forward. Okay, Lord, that's all I needed to hear. And I went back to storming in prayer. You know? But sometimes, friends, when we pray and fast, we find ourselves in a predicament where we're, we're battling. But it's, it's a battle with purpose. And, and there's a passage of scripture I want us to go to. And, and, and I read this actually in the board meeting this week because it's just been on my heart all week long. And I read it, I read it to the board as we got together. I read it as a devotional, so they, they, they know where I'm going already. And it's 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I want us to go there real quick because even in this time of talking about who we are and our vision and our mission, how many of you realize not only are we talking about our vision and our mission and our values and our goals and everything, but we're talking about prayer and fasting, and we're still in the middle of this season of prayer and fasting. Whatever it is you're praying for and whatever it is that you're fasting, whether it's food, whether it's social media, whether it's TV, whatever it is. Hopefully it's not church. Well, pastor, I'm called to fast church. That's not of the Lord, okay? So 2 Chronicles it's a great chapter of scripture as it relates to the power of prayer and fasting and worship. Now, let me say this before I get into this, because some of y'all are like, you opened your Bible, you went to a whole different passage that sounds a lot like a text. Are you starting a second sermon? No, I'm not. Okay? I just want to spend a few moments here, okay? Just a few moments. But I want us to see something, because in second. Chronicles chapter 20, there are multiple armies coming against God's people. Multiple armies, not one, not two. Some, they, some say three armies were coming simultaneously. Regardless of how many, it says that there's a multitude. A multitude, a great multitude is coming against you. That's what was said to King Jehoshaphat. And it says this, in verse three, it says, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. That's prayer, right? Now watch what comes next. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask for help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So we see these armies are aligned against God's people. But then we see that Jehoshaphat does the thing that we need to do when we see the enemy coming our way. And that is that we pray and we fast. You know, here's what I'm going to say. Sometimes when we fast, the problems come. The problems arise. Yeah? yeah? But sometimes the problems arise first and we respond by going to the Lord in a prayer and fasting yeah. uh, season, if you will. Right? Here, the armies are aligned against them. They're desperate, and so they cry out to the Lord. They seek him, and he proclaims a fast to take place. Now watch what happens next. King Jehoshaphat prays. He stood up in the assembly, it says, and I'll pick it up in verse six, and it says, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? It's a question, right? The question mark. 
Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Question mark. What is Jehoshaphat doing here? He is reminding God of his past actions. Some of you need to get good at doing that. I know I need to get good at doing that. Not that you're going, God, you know, or demanding from God. But God sometimes wants us to recite his word back to him. Yeah? And God sometimes wants us to come to him in desperation and say, God, did you not do this in the past? I remember, did you not move in this way? Did you not come through in a miraculous fashion in this situation or that situation? Come on, somebody. How many of you have been there? Right? Sometimes we are in a situation where we need to say, God, didn't you do this in the past? And what are we doing? We're not, we're not convincing him to act. We're convincing ourselves to believe. And we're reciting back to God what he has already done and what he's promised to do for us in the future. Yeah? So this is how Jehoshaphat prays. And he goes on. I'm going to jump down to verse 12. It says, Oh God, will you not judge them? We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. I love this, this part right here. But our eyes are on you. Amen. You know, sometimes, friends, we just come to a point and we say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And maybe you're struggling during this time of prayer and fasting and, and things are happening and they're not making sense or, or maybe you feel like your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. You know what? Don't follow your feelings. I've said that before and I'll say it again. Just keep praying. Sooner or later, there'll be enough prayers that crowd that room that we bust through the ceiling. Yeah. Amen? That's kind of the way I look at it. If you just keep chipping away at it, sooner or later, boom, there's the breakthrough, Right? And that's what's happening here. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then the prophet speaks. I love this. So they pray. The fast is declared. They're already beginning the fast. And then the prophetic comes. And the prophet speaks. And here's what it says. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat. I love that he pointed out the king. He's like, you need to hear this too, king. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed. And those are big words right there. Hear me out. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not your battle. The battle is not my battle. How many of you realize that sometimes you get, you get busy fighting a battle that is not your battle to fight? Sometimes you're, you're struggling, you're wrestling, and you're fighting this battle, and all of a sudden the Lord shows up and says, battle belongs to me. And that's what happens in this passage of Scripture. Things look desperate. I don't think any of us have ever gone through anything like what's being spelled out right here. This is either God comes through for them or they all die. Three armies come out up against them, a multitude. If God doesn't come through for them, it's lights out. They're dead, all of them, right? So the prophetic comes. What happens next? This is where it gets really cool. It says in verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Some of y'all need to underline that. Hello? Some of y'all, I'm going to come down here because you're not listening. Some of y'all need to underline that. You do not need to fight this battle. What does it say? It goes on and it says, you need to position yourself. Well, the proper positioning would be humility and prayer and fasting, drawing close to the Lord, turning our ear to hear his words, not the words of reason. Oh, some of us are so quick to listen to the words of reason. I I told you I wasn't going to preach another sermon. I better get back to this I started to go somewhere. If I went down that path, I may not come back anytime soon. 
This tells us, friends, that there's no need for us to fight what is not our battle to fight. It's like, small yes, Lord, I am listening to my own message. <laughs> yes, I hear you. I, I tell you, a temptation sometimes is to tell other people what they need to know and me not take it for myself. Especially if it's a challenge that I'm facing and I go, Oh, this, this feels like it's for somebody else, but I, ah, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm wrestling to believe it for myself. Sometimes, friends, I ha- and there's a reason that I have to live this before I teach it. Because yeah. <laughs> sometimes it takes me nearly a week to get it before I give it to you. Because I have a thick skull sometimes, right? We don't have to fight the battle. Amen. We just need to position ourselves and let him fight it for us. That doesn't mean that we just like don't care or become complacent or indifferent. No. But it means that we seek the Lord in prayer and in fasting and we say, okay, Lord, I've done all that I can do and I am positioning myself before you. You are speaking. You are working. And I don't even understand how you're doing what you're doing. But you know what, Lord? I'm just going to leave it up to you. Because the battle is not mine to fight. It is your battle to fight. Right? Now, it goes on here and it says this. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them. So they had to take action. It doesn't mean an action. They had to take action. Just go out and go before them. The Lord is with you. Verse 18, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head and his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. That's because the prophetic voice spoke and said, I got this. And I love what it says there about, I don't know about you, but for me personally, I see Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is hitting the deck. He's on his face before God. And he's on his face before God because he realizes that God just made a promise that he's gonna take care of this. Yeah, isn't that true? So let's read on here a little bit. I'm almost done, so bear with me. And it says here, let's, go, let's jump on down. Jump on down because here's what it says. It says, they arose early in the morning and went into the wilderness. Now watch this. Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe. Yes. Say it with me. Believe. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Says it again. Believe. Believe his prophets, you shall prosper. And then he does something very unconventional. He actually has the worshipers go and position themselves in the front of the army. I don't know about you, but if I was one of those instrumentists, I'd be like, say what? (laughs) I mean, I got my harp here. I don't know how much help that's going to be against three armies. You know, being a percussionist, like, like, Okay, I got my drum. Um, what, am I supposed to use a drumstick as a weapon? I mean, how's this going to work, Lord? I don't have a weapon. The Lord already knew how he was going to resolve this conflict. And it didn't involve weaponry. <laughs> what it involved was worship. So the worshipers went out ahead of the army. And they began to worship just like we've been doing this morning. And that's why we do worship when we come together, right away. Because we're sending the worship out before anything else happens. Right? They head out out in front of the army. And they didn't have to do anything other than just march forward. Right? Because as we see here, they humbled themselves, they positioned themselves, they trusted in the Lord, they heard what the Lord said, that you don't have to fight, you just need to position yourself. And basically, they were just doing what they were told. Church, what would happen if we just do what we're told? (laughs) Oh, Lord, 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 help us. Right Now watch this. And when he had consulted and he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, they went out before the army and they said, are they saying? They sang, they played, whatever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. 
Now, when they began to sing and praise, man, you know what? Now I know why y'all don't, I don't see y'all reading your Bible because it's dark in here. <laughs> I can't even, I can, can you turn the lights up just a little bit? Oh, we got to get new lights. <laughs> Hear that board? We got to get new lights. We've been talking about it, actually. We just haven't made a decision yet on what. All right. So now when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set an ambush against the people. The Lord did it. They didn't do it. He did it. He set the ambush against them. And watch this. He defeated them. When they got up to where they could see the armies, they were all dead. Because they turned on each other. My, 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 isn't there a lesson in this for us? The enemies will always, always, always turn on each other. Right? It's funny because I remembered, I, was, I had mentioned this to Pastor Carissa yesterday. It's funny how certain things will jog a memory. I remember the church I was on staff at for 14 years, uh, I was the worship pastor. And when I was bivocational, I was a part-time worship leader before I became full-time. Back in the day, we used to you know, dress up and we'd all come out on the platform together, file out like a mother duck and the chicks and we had seats on the platform and we would all sit together and look all prim and proper and religious-like, right? And, uh, but, but I would typically follow out the lead pastor. I was second in line and I would follow him because I would walk straight up front and start worshiping, right? We'd start the first song. Well, uh, there was some issues in our church for a little while where the pastor was receiving death threats and, and he was preaching in a bulletproof vest. That's how bad it was. Yeah. So um, I didn't have one. <laughs> and uh, so uh, one Sunday morning, uh, it's, it's interesting because the guy I just went to is viewing just this past week, Bob Luzier, great man. He, he was our administrator at the time, great man. And uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, Randy, he said, you go out first this morning. <laughs> I, I didn't say this audibly, but I thought to myself, I don't have a bulletproof vest. And another thought that went through my mind is, this is way above my pay grade. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, the reality set in that, you know what? The worshipers went out before everybody else. And I thought to myself, Lord, you've got this. I'm going to trust in you. If anybody is set to bring harm against any of us, you're going to protect us. You're going to watch over us. And you know what? I said, sure, I'll do that. I'll lead the way. And I led the way, and I went up there, and I started leading worship like, I didn't, like it didn't bother me at all because I trusted in him. And we need to trust in him when we find ourselves in situations, and we don't know what to do, and it doesn't make sense. And we're fasting and all hell breaks loose, if you'll excuse the expression, right? Literally. Or the rug is jerked out from under, which is going to happen. But God knows what he's doing. And he is with us. And he is for us. He is not against us. So the, the armies took out themselves, right? But watch this. They had access to all the spoils that were left behind. So not only was there victory over the armies, but there was blessing in the spoils. That's just how God works. So why did I tell you all that? Because it's not your battle, friend. It's not your battle. It's not my battle. Whatever that's referring to in your life, in our lives together, it's not our battles. We have to humble ourselves and seek him, right? Now, I better stop, otherwise you're going to say, you did preach two messages. <laughs> but I want to end with this. We're going to take communion in just a moment. But what I just said about us journeying together, 
There's a song that I came across this week, and Pastor Chris, she's going to play at the very end, but there's a song I want to play first. And I want to play this song as you're coming up to receive the communion elements. Because this song popped up on my radar this week, and I could not play it enough. It just spoke to me of what I'm speaking to you about. And that sometimes we find ourselves fighting a battle that is not our battle. And oh, by the way, don't sit on the sidelines and go, hmm, I wonder, don't, don't play that game either. Keep your focus on Christ where it belongs, right? Don't be part of the peanut gallery in situations that may come about. Be part of the prayer warriors that say, God has our back. And he's going to lead us forth. So we're going to play this song, so stand with me if you will. And those in the back, if you want to come first and receive your elements as you come up, receive them, return to your seat, or you can stay at the altar. Just hold on to your elements until we've all been served, all right? Go ahead and play this song. story ends. We will be with you again. Yes. You're my Savior, my defense. No more fear in life or death. Yes, Lord. My church, I know how the story ends. Isn't that true, church? We know how the story ends. Be with you. 
will be with you again. Amen. You're my Savior, my defense. No more fear in life or death. Hey, we can live today because we know about tomorrow. Here we go. I know how the story ends. Yes, we do. We will be with you again. Yes, we know, Lord. We worship you. Because I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. I don't know what you Church, we're fighting a battle right here that he's already won. We're holding the elements of victory in our hands. These are not elements of defeat. They're elements of victory. Amen, church? So when you find yourself warring and fighting, guess what? The Lord has already captured the victory. He's already secured the victory for you and me. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. Don't know what you're doing. Sometimes we might say that, right, church? But I know what you've done. May we base it on his track record, church. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's take these elements. We hold in our hands these elements, which represent his broken body and his shed blood. And they are truly elements of victory and not defeat. Now, if Jesus would have remained in the tomb, these would not have any meaning whatsoever. But the fact that he resurrected, these have life. They symbolize life and victory. Amen? So we hold in our hands the elements that represent his shed blood. But first of all, let's take the bread and recognize that it represents his broken body. And let's together, if we can, break it. I heard some of you already break it, but let's break it together. My, mine broke apart. I had to get another one. <laughs> I know you don't have that luxury, but let's break it together. Because his body was broken for us. He secured for us. Our redemption, but also our victory, right? So let's partake together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you. We worship you. Bless you, Lord. He also took the cup that night and he started sharing with the disciples what they didn't understand in that moment, but they would soon identify with what he was saying. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And he said this to him. He said, as often as you drink from the fruit of the vine, do so in remembrance of me. Well, they didn't know what that was going to lead to exactly, but we know what was accomplished. Yes. Amen? So we drink it on this side of the cross, 
Come on, somebody. We drink it on this side of the cross, and we know that it is a cup of victory. And while we commemorate his death, we celebrate the fact that we will join together the resurrection and be a part of the wedding supper of the Lamb. And this is just a precursor to that. So let's together drink of the cup in remembrance of what he's done, but also looking forward to what is to come. Amen, church? Let's drink. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you. We honor you. Lord, we give you praise. We give you thanks. You have already won the victory. And so, Lord, as we prepare to leave this place, may we leave from this place knowing, Lord God, that you are almighty, you are all-powerful, and you are victorious. And so, Lord, we go forth in your name and in your power. And as we continue this season of prayer and fasting, may we trust you with the battles. And, Lord, as you said in this passage, you won't even have to fight the battle. Help us not to fight battles that aren't ours to fight. Help us to position ourselves before you in prayer and supplication and fasting and to trust you to work, to trust you to do the work, to trust you to come through in victory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you.